0: Hebrews, just so we have a little background about about Hebrews, there's been a lot of debate, and not that it matters for us right now. It's the Word of God. That's what matters most. There's been, been a lot of debate about who wrote that, and there's no one else that could have written that, that God would have chosen through the Holy Spirit to write that, other than the Apostle Paul, because he was the height of the religious guy, but he was also the height of the man in Christ that we are. So there's no question about the fact that he wrote that. But the whole theme, and this has been on my mind, it's been on my wife's mind, come to find out this morning, to separately, and then we come together and and then we start reading things about better. And I'm like, well, that's what I was in all, all this morning. The key word for us is better. The key word in Hebrews is better. And And the way that God has brought this and he always brings the word to a very personal experience to meet and to exceed the circumstances and situations that we're in right now because when he wrote this word uh, and when he wrote it for all those that he wrote it for in, in terms of who the church is he had every single one of us in his mind, in the specific time period, circumstance, and situation that we would be in. Obviously, because he would never, in Hebrews thirteen five, ever leave us nor forsake us. So that key, thing, that key word is better. And I'm going to read here in Hebrews, the 11th chapter, and then we're going to go and find out what is so better about us What is so better about us and how the enemy, Satan, comes in with intense hatred, hatred and aggressiveness and negativity against who we are, way better off in Christ. And so we see this and we can see this in Hebrews, the 11th chapter. Um... You, you can see it in verse 1. It says, now faith. Faith is the substantiation, the title deed. It's the ground. It is where we rest in all the confidence of God's love for us individually that he's established in us through Christ. So faith, that absolute dependence upon the person of Christ and what he has already finished about us, which is so much better. He's better, and what he's accomplished about us is far better. Now, faith is that substantiation. It's the proof, it's the title deed right, of things hoped for. In other words, the hope there again is Colossians 1.27, Christ in us. The hope, the guarantee of a absolutely brilliant, immeasurable, glorious future that we have of evidence of things not seen when do we not see them fully here in time but boy when time is gone and he in revelations 10 6 and then we enter into the fixedness of eternity and in revelations 22 verse 11 that means we enter into each one of us in that specific image that god formed us for himself for his son to dwell in and to fellowship with for all eternity that's what it means we're fixed That's not something that we're we're entering into that hasn't already been done. That's what it is. It's already been done. We already have this eternal life. And in 1 John 5.11, that eternal life is his son. So we see, for by it in Hebrews 11, two to the uh, elders obtained a good report. Through faith, through faith, through understanding, through absolute dependence upon who Christ is, And what he has finished, based upon who he is and what he's done, even in the worlds, we understand that the worlds were framed (laughs) of God. By the word of God, this is Christ. So that the things which are seen right now were not made of things which do appear right now. This was done in eternity. There's things we can't see fully right now. We're growing in it, and that's why, again, in 1 Corinthians 13, 11, it says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child, right? And I thought as a child. But when I became a man, that's who we are in our own individuality in Christ. I put away childish things. Now, again, we said recently through the Holy Spirit teaching us the things of Christ in 1 John 2, 1, where it says, my little children see that you sin not. That word there in the little children, children there is technia, T-E-K-I-A, technia. And in this sense, we will always be his children because we weren't born of ourselves, were we? We'll always be his children no matter what phase of growth we're in for all eternity, especially here in time, in 1 John 2, 12-14. But through all eternity, will never come to the end, in Ephesians 3, 19, of him loving us as his dear children for all eternity. And no matter what uh, phase or stage of growth in grace in 2 Peter 3, 18, that we're in. So, But we understand that. And then we see all those things right here, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. Look, it's teaching absolute dependence. <laughs> That's what it's teaching us, right? So we get to six, but without faith, right, it is impossible to please him. What's that mean? It means when I don't, when I just know that I'm born again and I'm going to heaven, and, I, and the enemy gets me to settle for that, is that the faith that it's talking about? No. No wonder he can come in with his fiery missiles because believers don't have the shield of all that teaching about who the person of Christ is and the work that he's accomplished for each individual in Ephesians 6.16. And when you don't have the shield in battle, you may have the armor on, but you're going to get hit. Thought force. Evil thought force. Evil thought force to get us to function in the lie. About who we are in Christ and how so much better off we are in him who is better boy I wrote it down he is better he's teaching us he's teaching us constantly that Christ is so much better the resurrection of Jesus Christ in Matthew 28 1-6 that resurrection life that's ours in John 1.12, that eternal life, that resurrection life in 1 John five eleven, 11, is, is proof, we're going to see it this morning, is proof, proof that Jesus Christ is better than anything that Satan can do or has done, or anything of self. Oh, and how the enemy wants us to think in terms of self. And not in terms of Christ. Oh, how the thief comes in John 10 10 8 to steal, to kill, and to to destroy. That's a specific reason why, again, folks, this morning goes after marriages because of what it reveals. It reveals a specific, beautiful, beautiful order. And just as Eve was taken out of Adam, we see that in Genesis, the second chapter, and you can look at verse 20 to 25, in those verses there, you will see that Eve was taken out of Adam. And just like us, we are, his Eve, his bride, been taken out of Christ. There's not a thing we did to form ourselves, he did it all. But we see that without faith, and remember in Romans 10, 17, it says, faith comes by what? Mm-hmm. And what does hearing mean? Just hearing it so we can declare it? Apart from obedience and a proper experience? No. Always speaks of submission. Hearing always speaks of submission. You can see that in Revelations, the second chapter, in verse 7, 11, 17. And 29. You can see that in Revelations 3, 6, 13, and 22. It's the sevenfold hearing and submission of the church to Christ, their head, so that we function as individuals, yes, but in one body, one body, not being divided through the lie of Christendom, but through the reality of who we are in Christ and the work that he's accomplished. So we see that without faith, it's impossible to please Him. What does that mean? Without proper teaching, without a proper experience because of a lack of teaching of knowledge. Do we experience the pleasure that's ours in Christ already? No. So faith comes, dependence comes by what? Hearing, hearing by the Word of God. You know what the original says: the preaching of the message. Listen, that's specific and continually through our whole growth. That is Philippians 2:12 and 13. It very work out your own salvation. Well, if you don't have it worked in, what are you going to work out? If you don't have the finished work, salvation of who Christ is in His person, in your own individuality, in a proper experience, with a proper identity, and a proper image functioning in a proper place in his local assembly. My God, how much confusion is there? How much division is there? So again, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the preaching of the message. In other words, what's going on this morning through his faithfulness to all of us together. But without faith in Hebrews eleven six, 6, it's impossible to please him. For he that comes to God. What what should we do and how quickly should we? When negativity, when things flare up in relationships, when that happens, how quickly in a relationship with two people, it only takes one submitting. It does. Just one instant. Instant submission. Instant covering. Instant protection. Instant experience of a love that will never let us go. So without faith, it's impossible to please him, for he that comes to God must believe that he is. No, he's not. Yes, he is. He is. And that he's a rewarder of them that diligently, spodazio in the Greek, The spudazo and it means quickly, diligently seek him. And then we see it all the way through. We can see it all the way through. But here's, here we're going to go to verse 10 where it talks about all these faith faith ones that were functioning in him who's the hero. There's only one hero here, by the way, and that's Christ. That's it. Only one, not a sports figure, becomes a mouthpiece for America. (laughs) Truth of the matter is, this is what it says about Abraham even. Verse 10 of Hebrews 11, for he looked for a city which has foundations. Listen to what it says. Whose builder and maker is who? It's God, right? How does God make anything? How did he make us as his house? No wonder it says in Colossians 3, verse 16, let the word of God dwell in you richly. The word dwell there is oikidomio, and it literally means let God form you as his own house, his own dwelling place, because you already are, and he's gonna build on that foundation that Christ is in 1 Corinthians 3, 10 and uh, 11. But you can see in Colossians 3, verse 16, it says, let, does that have to do with the will? Does that have to do with hearing? Does that have to do with receiving? Let the word of Christ dwell in you, what? Oh, I'm poor. No, you're not. No, you're not anymore, no. Now he became poor, that we might be, through him, made rich, in 2 Corinthians 8, 9. And uh, we can see that in all of its beauty, as the Holy Spirit begins to teach us uh, with the word that Christ is. For he that comes to God must believe, must believe, that he is, and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Verse 10, for he looked for a city which has foundations whose builder and maker is God. And through faith also, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed. I want you to look at that word seed. We'll get into that probably at another time, but think about that word seed. And was delivered of a child when she was past age. Yeah, she was 99. And her husband was 100. Because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one, And him, as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. These all died where? Really, where it says in, it was according to faith. Oh, what does that mean? Well, in Christ, in Ecclesiastes 7, verse 1, the day of one's death is better, see the key word? in the day of one's, what, beginning life, it's better, it's so much better, and we are so much better off in him when we depend upon him, not by sight, not by what we see, not by what we sense wrongly, (laughs) no, not at all, it's not that way. So, verse 13, these all died in faith, or according to faith, not having received the promises. They weren't part of the church that you and I are. They are a heavenly people. We're a heavenly people, but we are his church people that Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, and upon this foundation, I will build my church. That's future we're gonna see this in such a beautiful way uh, this morning. In such a very, very beautiful way. And so here it again, these all died according to faith, not having received the promises, having seen them, but seeing, seeing them afar off. And we're persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed. There's the confession. That word, confess, there even goes into when we confess our sins that we're not, that he paid for, that we entered into anyway, that we're not, we're dealt with. 1 John 1, 9, in the Greek is to cite, to name, and to agree with. When we believe him, we're agreeing with him. When we trust him, we agree with him. When we trust him by faith, faith and not by sight, not by what we see, but absolute, solid faith. Because faith... It's not, as some have taught, a leap in the dark. It is not that. It's stepping on the most solid, substantial promises that Christ is that that could ever be for all eternity. And so this is what it says as we continue this morning. And we're persuaded and embrace them and confess that they were what? Strangers and pilgrims. Where? On this earth. Strange. We're going to see why sometimes when we experience this overwhelming thing, we can't even identify. It's negative, it's powerful, and oh, it's so strange, and we can't even define it. We'll have God will give us clear definition on that this morning because that's who we are. We are pilgrims and strangers here on our way to our promised land. You see that in 1 Peter 2, verse 11. You think it. You ever ever try to fit in here once you're born again? You ever try and fit into the world? You ever try and fit in to go back to the way it used to be? It just doesn't fit anymore because the form is completely different. You have a completely different image, completely different identification. You're not your own anymore, thank God, under the power of the uh, the atmosphere in Ephesians 2.2 and John 12.31 and in John 14.30. We're no longer under him, we're under Christ. He's our head. Thank God that old head has been crucified in Romans 6, 1 through 6. So it says here that there were strangers and pilgrims. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from where they came out, they might have had opportunity to return. Do you know that's what the enemy wants us to do? Wants us to remember and and identify ourselves as the past. Identify ourselves as the moment we're living in failure, which we're not. That's who we are. That's who we are. He wants to get us, to give us opportunity to return through lies, through projections, through failure and to identify ourselves as that and to identify others as that. And we see this very clearly but again, if truly, if they had been mindful of that country where they came out, oh boy, does he have to remind us. What does it take? Oh God, fail again, a thousand times again, 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 and what is he teaching us? The enemy means it for evil. In Genesis 50 verse 20, God means it for good, his divine good, and that's why in Romans eight twenty-eight, all things work together for good. Good there is agathos, it's God's divine good. All things work together for God's divine good to them that love him. It's the only place we've said before it's ever written like that in the Bible. To them that love him and realize that they are called according to his purpose. Something that cannot be thwarted or done away with. That's what Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18. I'm going to build my church upon this foundation who I am and the gates of hell, all their power will not prevail against it. Look at things by sight and listen to the lie, God has this against me. Come on. Who's really against us? Who's really against us with these thoughts that we get? Well, again... In verse 16, but now, do you see how that we're separated? That's the contract, contrasting conjunction in Hebrews 11, verse 16. But now they desire a better place, a better country. That is what? It's heavenly. See, all these people that were seeing those promises afar of off, meaning they, they, they just had no understanding of it, they were God's earthly people. They're going to heaven and will be in heaven. But in heaven, in heaven, what, are, what is there right now? There's heavenly people and there's church people. That's why he said, I will. There is so much evil, negative, negative, so-called clear teaching about these things. There's no difference between Judaism and Christianity. Oh, I beg to differ based upon the scriptures. It's all one thing. There's going to be no rapture. The church will go through the tribulation period. Some believe, like certain men of God, that you'll go through it partially. Others believe you have to go all the way through the mid. And then others, all the way through post, you go all the way through. Because Jesus didn't do enough when he died on Calvary. It's called the finished work there. It's called that. But again, it says, but now they desire a better country. No wonder, it says. It's so clear, Psalm 37 verse 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. He'll give you proper desire, not desires based upon the flesh, the passions and lusts of the flesh in Genesis 3 verse 6 and in 1 John 2 verse 16. Not those. No. No. Much better. That's why it says in Proverbs 23, verse 26, my son, give me your heart, give me your mind, and let your eyes observe my way. That's why he said in Proverbs 23, 23, buy the truth. And don't sell it out because of a lie, because of feelings, yeah? morbid feelings that keep you in a depressed state. And we're going to see the difference, what it means to be depressed and what we truly have that's a fact about even that depression, by the way. We're going to see that this morning. Well, but now they desire in Hebrews eleven sixteen 16, a better country that is in heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. You know why? Because in Hebrews 2, 11, both he that sanctifies has made holy, and they that are holy, sanctified, are all of one. Wherefore, in 2, 12 of Hebrews, again, and in Psalm 22, verse 22, in fulfillment of prophecy what Christ fulfilled on the cross, he's not ashamed to call his brethren. There's no shame. But has the enemy convinced us that there is shame in us in 2 Timothy 1, 12, which is apart from the form about who we are in a proper image in 2 Timothy 1 and verse 13. Well, notice what it says. He's not ashamed to be called their God for he has Prepared for them a city. We're headed there. Hold on. Hold on. We're passing through suffering right now. But the only way to go to, to proper glory and proper, proper glory is proper suffering. Not suffering because of wrong, but suffering because you're Christ's. You're passing through it just like he did. If you want to know why, there's the why. We're going to see this morning In Romans 8.18, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not even worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed in us and on us and all through us, where it's going to shine in an individual way. In Revelations 2.17, that no other single individual And that one who's Christ can ever experience for all eternity is it worth the suffering of time. No wonder it says in 2 Timothy, and we're going to see this this morning too, if God gives us the time. In 2 Timothy 2.12, if we suffer with him, we never suffer alone. Never. Not righteously. Ever, ever alone. And even when it's wrong, he's still waiting to be gracious. In Isaiah 30, verse 18. But if we suffer with him, we'll reign with him. When? Right now. We're going to reign with him. You know why? Because he is sovereign. Sovereign. It's got that word reign right in there. He's above everything. He's above every single thing. He is better in you and you and him than anything that enemy can do. Anything of self. He's better. Oh God, he wants us to know that. And to function in that love towards each other. And so we see... That he has prepared a city. What is that supposed to mean this morning? Well, do you remember what Jesus said? What he said in 14? He said this in John 14, verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. Stop allowing your mind and your emotions to be troubled. You believe in God. Well, believe in me. Because in my Father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I never would have told you that, ever. I'm not going to tell you something that hasn't already been fulfilled and done by me, he says to us individually. That's individual. That's his plan right now on the earth, right now where we are. We're in the world in John 17, verse 16, but we're not of it. We're passing through to a city, to a place. <laughs> where it's going to be nothing but the undisturbed, undistracted love of God in the most individual, precise way that we could even imagine. And then we'll have fellowship together, based upon that individual fellowship for all eternity. But that individual fellowship can never be replaced by the corporate fellowship. As a matter of fact, it enhances, and we become joints that supply in that sense, because we all have that. But he said, I would never have told you, but I go to prepare, here's the word, place for you. Place has to do with image. It has to do with identity. He fit us for a proper place with him in glory because he's given us a glorious individual image and identity in him. And He said, and if I go and prepare a place for you, that's so individual. You have a place that occupies in his presence and no one else can. No, he designed you specifically for himself. And boy, did he ever stamp his approval on you. We'll see that this morning. And if I go and prepare a place for you, here's a promise, I'm going to come. If you don't go to me first, I promise you, I'll come. I will come again. And I will receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you will be also. And he's showing us this. and he's giving us these truths. Now all these truths to us right here, and to unfortunately, to many, many Christians are a mystery. They're a mystery. I thank God for Re- Reformation, for the Reformation of Luther in, in the 15th century. I, I, I thank God for it. And this, excuse me, the 16th century. And, and in 15, so-and-so, when he nailed the, his 95 Thesis on the door of the Catholic Pope, okay, he was leading, God used Luther, he used him to lead us out into salvation, which was by faith alone, through grace alone, by Christ alone. But they stopped so short of all those personal, intimate, individual Growth truths, positional truths, proper image. And it's like a mystery to multitudes even today because they fall so short. They fall so short because of the hatred and antagonism that the enemy has towards God, especially towards Christ, his creator, who put on humanity to redeem us. And boy, he hates you far more than what you do or what you don't do. Far more than what I do or what I don't do, he hates Christ in me. And he does so without a cause. The reason he does so without a cause is because when you don't function in the cause, who is God, who is love, you only function in an evil effect. It's all he is, is an evil effect, and he wants to share it with you. He wants to so separate you and I from him. And then in doing so, separate us from each other what he has in his mind which is sick which is absolutely insane I I read this this morning and I just was like oh God and and, and honestly it's not who we are in the flesh but we can function in the lie of it remember we have the flesh in us in Romans 8 verse 9 but we're not of it okay we're not of it but look at this when I read this this morning I was I was just overwhelmed with this with this truth in John the 18th chapter, and when I read that, and somehow mysteriously, God led me to that, like only He could do, like only He can can correlate the one thought about us specifically, and take the scriptures and even make them sense, and they'll just be nonsense. They'll be dead nonsense apart from you and I submitting our will to him. But look at this, how they hated him. They said in John 18, verse 40, not this man. Listen, that was the religious crowd. The religious crowd who used the the hateful, evil government that could care less about God and had many other gods, many other demons leading them. But the religious crowd under the same, through their deception, used the Roman government to murder him and to kill him. And all it did was bring out even those that did it to him and all of us his love for them. His deep love. And so we even see it there. They said crucify him in John 19 15. But look at let's look at this. This is this is the religious crowd in John 18 28. Then led they Jesus from Caiaphas. Okay, let me ask you. Do you really think they were the ones that were leading him? Do you think so? Well, you know how I prove that? (laughs) I have to go to the scriptures again. So, I'm not begging your pardon. I'm just saying, follow with me the scriptures. Seriously, as, as we're one. This is John the 10th chapter. John 10, verse 17. Therefore does my father love me because I lay my life down that I might take it again. Oh boy, he laid his life down for us and he did so so he could take us with him. No man takes it from me. Hear that one? But I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This commandment I've received of my father whose power was leading who. Who led who here? Who's leading us, moment by moment? Oh, hopefully it's him for all of us. Then it says here again in John 18, verse 28, then they led Jesus from Caiaphas, and guess where they led him to? The hall of judgment. They, in their insanity, in their absolute sick head nonsense, they thought they were leading him to their judgment. Oh, God, don't let that be our thoughts. Don't let us enter into a lie that judges you when you've done everything for us, God. To know myself after the flesh, to know another believer after the flesh in 2 Corinthians 5, 16 and 17, is so wrong, so wrong. Thank God we're not our wrongs. He let, they led him into the hall of judgment, and it was early. They wanted to get rid of him right away. Early. He comes in early against us. That's why early get up and get the word. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. Do what they did in Exodus the 16th chapter in verses 10 all the way to 20. They got up early. Immediately they started feeding on the word instantly. Instantly before the enemy could get a toehold in. In Ephesians 4 verse 27, before he could get a lying False place, give no place to the devil. Don't exchange your proper place in your experience for the place of a lie and a proper, an improper image, topos in Ephesians four verse twenty-seven. And it was early, and they themselves, look and listen to this. What a wicked second is! They themselves went not into the judgment hall, lest they should be defiled. Excuse me, where they are already defiled in what they were doing. Oh, does he deceive the whole world. In Revelations 12, 9, that they should not be defiled, listen to this, but that they may eat the Passover. Christ himself. Oh, God. How could God pass over? How could he pass over the sins of Israel? In Exodus 12, 1 through 13, because they were feeding on the lamb. There was blood that was shed. And they were feeding on the lamb with bitter herbs. The bitterness of self, learning how bitter it is, self, and all its thoughts from the enemy. Remember what we said this morning, God told us? The resurrection is the proof, is the proof. Very much so, the proof, and we're gonna see it. I wrote it down this morning. Huh? The resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Do you hear that? He's our Lord, what's that? He's our sovereign. He's above everything with me in him. He's above everything, he's in control. Not your circumstances, not sight, no. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior is proof And God said, Proof. And then He said, Write it down. It's proof, God's stamp of approval on Christ as the Son of Man, that He is better than anything of Satan or self. He said, You write this down. Boy, I wrote it down. The Holy Spirit, God, is our seal. What is the seal? The Holy Spirit is God's stamp of approval. It's his impress. And he said, write it down. It's the impression of my love that's for you. And when we're impressed and when we learn how to give our will over and to be taught the precise, proper truths about who we are in Christ with a proper image and a proper identity, then we function in a proper place. And don't give up that place experientially for morbid Feelings of depression. Do you ever feel that? I know I have. And he also told me to write this down again. And I said, okay. God, what is it sometimes when I just don't even know where this is coming from? But it's this weight of negativity and this intensity. I said, God, what is that? You ever ask him? You can't even identify it. Do you know what that is? Here's what it is. Here's what it is. Okay? And this is really what this is. Here's, here's that what you sense when you're in Christ. Remember! Okay? he. It's not so much what we do or what we don't do that he hates. <laughs> it's that Christ is in us. We've been stamped. Mine! So who's he going to go after? Who did he go after the whole time that God walked the face of the earth, and Jesus Christ humanity. Who did he rise up? A religious crowd and an evil government. Constantly. It's no different for you and I. We're in a spiritual warfare. Ephesians 6, 10 to 18. We're going to get into that this week too. 10 to 18. We are in a spiritual warfare. Battles of the Lord's, but it's intense. It's very intense. And here it is. Here it is in John 15, verse 18. If the world hates you, that's what it is. It's not so much what you do or what you don't do. And we need clear teaching on that, of course. But if the world, that whole satanic system that's never changed, that's only going to get worse, see that in 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 13. See it. It's coming to an end, but look at it. It's increasing in evil. world's not going to get a, be a better place. He never had the church in the world to make the world a better place. He's forming the church to take us out, to bring us back as he conquers it all. Because he already has, with us in him. If the world hates you, I want you to know that it hated me before it hated you. You see that? You see what it says here in 15, in John 15, and verse 25. But this comes to pass, that the word might be fulfilled, that is written in their law, the ones that are doing the hating towards me, they hated me without a cause. God is the cause. He's the uncaused, uncreated life. He is love. That's why we always teach that the, what the Bible teaches us. God is love. We're not children of love. We're children of light. Because <laughs> there's only one God. He's the cause. They hated him without a cause. They didn't have Christ. They never had love. They missed it. Are we missing it? How? Through lies. Through lies right? It was written, "They hated me without a cause. Well, where did I get? Where does all that come from? Well, I love how God does this and brings back these scriptures in such a beautiful way. Scriptures that four decades ago he put in here. Maybe I forgot them, but he brings them back when I need them. And we see this very, very clearly in Psalm 35. oh, I love these verses. And I remember reading these things four decades ago in the midst of my struggles, in the midst of failure. This is what he said. He makes it very, very clear in Psalm 34, verse 17, the righteous cry, those that are in Christ, and he hears, don't you think he doesn't? His timing and provisions very important, but don't you think he doesn't hear you? and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart. That's a broken will submitted to him. And saves, delivers such, be of of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them, what? All, does he not? And here we go. Here we go. Psalm 35 and verse 19 says this. Let not them that are my enemies wrongfully, literally wrongfully, falsely, that's the right word in the Hebrew, falsely rejoice over me. Neither let them wink with the eye, intense pride and hatred, that hate me without a cause. They hate me. They don't have Christ. They don't have love. They don't have it. We see that. You see what David said? And he said it in the spirit of Christ because only he could fulfill that. Like the Psalms, all those Psalms that are positive, they all have to do with the spirit of Christ. There's no question about it. Psalm 69 verse one says, "'Deliver me, O God.'" Here's this unknown atmosphere, it's coming. I don't even know what this is. I can't even define it, but it's coming against me. God's given its definition. This morning, save me for the waters are coming unto my soul. All these negative evil thoughts I can't identify trying to drown me in depression. I sink in deep mire where there is no standing. Lie, not proper experience. I am come into deep waters where the floods overflow me. I am weary of my crying. My throat is dried. My eyes fail while I wait for my God. They that hate me without a cause are more than the hairs of my head. There's an unidentified, invisible, whole, demonic army that hates us. Not so much for what we do. And boy, does he want us to focus on that. And not what we don't do. Oh, focus on that. And focus on it yourself. And then focus on it on other believers. When the reality is... Oh boy, we have this treasure in these fragile clay jars that the excellency of the power may be of God, not of ourselves, in 2 Corinthians 4 7. They're more than the hairs of my head. They that would destroy me, experience only, not position for the believer, being my enemies wrongfully are mighty. Then, look what it says, then I restored that which I took not away. You know what he's saying? I. When it says, I restore, and I asked God, what does this mean this morning? I didn't know. So I asked him. I said, what does this mean, Lord? And he said, I'm going to tell you what this means. You're going to restore what is rightfully yours when you submit my will. When you submit to my will, then your proper image of who Christ is in you, now that is yours. And that, then you do restore that which you could never take away or anybody ever could about what Christ has given you in a proper image. Then I restored I restored that which I can't take away. You can't take it away. You can't take away God's love for you. You're accepted in Ephesians 1.6 in the Beloved, in this beautiful, most incredible way. And boy, we are just, we're just touching this a little bit. And, I, and uh, it, we really are, we're really just beginning to touch this. But you know what? As we begin to close this this morning, the fact is, when we see this, it's a mystery. We see, we're going to see, what is this mystery? What is it, this mystery? And it's, it is, unfortunately, it's a mystery to most Christians. They think it's mysterious. They haven't gone beyond Reformation truths. They hear these things of this, what? It can't be, that's, that's a mystery. It doesn't make any sense to me. But that's not the mystery. That's not The mystery for the believer in Christ, okay? And what we're gonna see, that's that Greek word mysterion from muo, and we're gonna see what those words mean here as we just quickly close this, and and hopefully we're gonna continue this, and I know we are on on Tuesday and and, uh, Friday, I even think Wednesday too with the men. But they'll all be recorded, I believe, as, as God leads us, but here is here is 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1. And I, brethren, when I came to you, I didn't come with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. I couldn't do that. It's impossible. It's only possible with him. For I determined, I made a determination based upon my proper image, not to know anything among you except Christ and him crucified. Everything dealt with. The world's crucified unto you in Galatians 6, 14, and you unto the world. Why would you go back? And I was with you. He's an apostle. And I was with you in what? In weakness. Remember we said two things God doesn't take away from us. Weakness and who we are in Christ. And in reverence and in much trembling and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing or persuadable word words of man's wisdom but separated from that in demonstration and manifestation of the spirit the holy spirit and of the power that he takes and that power is that we are kept by in 1 Peter 1 verse 5 it's the power that Christ is that power and wisdom that we deeply need constantly in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 24 right the spirit of power look at what it says verse Verse five, that your dependence and who Christ is in his person and the work that he's accomplished for you as an individual should not stand, should not be in the wisdom of men, but separated, but in the power of God, Christ. Howbeit, we speak, and here it is, we speak among them that are complete, and that means in Christ, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes, of this world. Those aren't just men. Those are men that are under the prince and power of the air and his demonic army and all this evil teaching. And in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 3, if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost. And it's lost to many Christians who don't know who they are in Christ and who Christ is in them. In whom the God of this world, in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, makes it very clear, it's the God of this world, the religious God of this world, has blinded hardened the hearts of them which believe not. No, this is only true, you're not going any further. Everything else is a mystery, it doesn't make it. it's nonsense. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, he's an angel of light in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. 14. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 6, 23, if the light that be in you, be darkness. The word is black. So black, so dark. How great is that darkness? because Satan's an angel of light in 2 Corinthians 11:14 and he has his ministers in 11:15 oh god forbid that we have a minister anything other to each other than Christ and god does in his love forbid it because we have the impress and seal of his love we're not our own in 1 Corinthians 6:19 and 20 but here we see here but we speak the wisdom of god what well, again, the princes of this world that are going to come to naught, they're going to be dealt with. They're going to be in hell, but they're going to be cast with Satan into the lake of fire with all those who did not have their sins dealt with through Christ, by the way. And you see that in Revelations 20, 10 to 15. But we, but we, separated, speak the wisdom of God. Who is the wisdom of God? We said it, 1 Corinthians 1, 24, Christ, the power of God. The wisdom of God. We speak it in a mystery. Mystery there, do you see that? It's a, it's a mystery, a mystery. Wow, this incredible mystery. It's mysterion, it's something that's secret. It's something that's only known to those that have been initiated into proper truth. That's what that word mysterion for mua, silence. This, kept, this was kept silent for years, multitudes of years until God's perfect timing and he placed us in it. unbelievable. Very believable, but just unbelievable. But we speak the, the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, that's why it's a mystery, it was hidden, which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Did we hear this? We were his church in eternity. Everything about us was settled before we were born. Him knowing with our free will, not bypassing our free will, that we would receive His Son. But it obviously, it was His will first. in 2 Peter 3, verse 9. He's not willing that any should perish. But never took away the will so that we could receive Him. And this is what this is teaching here. Very, very clearly in the Word of God. Hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Listen, before the fall of Adam, before the flood, Before anything, before the law was ever given. Read Galatians, the epistle to Galatians. 430 years before the law, those promises were given to Abraham before there was a law. And we know why the law was given. They said in Exodus 19, verse 8 and 24 and verse 3, tell us what to do. And we'll do it. Well, he told them, oh, the law is holy, just, and good. Was that that was good meant death for me and evil? No, in Romans 7:12, no. It was to teach us how exceedingly sinful that sin nature is in us in 7:13, That's what we get confused in. Trying to do, trying to do in uh, 14, 15, and so on. So as we wrap this up this morning, Right? But before the world unto our glory, before anything he was the Lamb slain, before the foundation of the earth in Revelation 13, 8, the works were finished from before the foundation of the earth. Hebrews 4, verse 3. And in that particular place, he's talking about the church. Some would tell you, discard that. The hyperdispensationalists would say, discard that. I say there's certain things about the very person and work of Christ in Hebrews that we wouldn't know apart from that. That's the statement that that God has given us through his word. Which none of the princes of this world knew. They had no idea about this. Those demons, the satanic army, they didn't have a clue about it. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Oh, God. But you know what? But as it is written, I has not seen. It's written in Isaiah 64, verse 4, with 65 and verse 17. But as it is written, natural eye, natural understanding, never sees it or experiences it. Nor natural hearing, just declaration, has heard, neither has even entered into the very mind of man the things which God has, Past tense, already prepared for them that love him. Remember, he said, I go and prepare a place for you in John 14, 2 and 3, so that you will be with me. You know, he's with us just right now. In a greater degree, but he's just as much with us now as we will be in eternity, because we have him who is eternal life. In First John 5, verse 11. Okay, which God has prepared for them that, what? Love him. We love him and because in 1 John four nineteen we love him because he first loved us, because of the reality of 1 John four ten. Herein is love, herein is God. Not that we loved him, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation. And it makes it clear, for our sins, not for the sins of the whole world, but for our sins, having received him who dealt with them in a personal, individual way. He didn't just do a blanket thing. It was very intimate and very personal. And this is what the Reformation stopped so short of. But God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit, the Holy Spirit, because the Spirit searches all things. Yea, yea what? The very, very deep things. The very depth of God. The very deep things of God. What an amazing truth we have to be so thankful for this morning. And we are. And we're going to continue this theme this is, gonna, this is gonna explain a lot of warfare. Cause and effect, we're gonna see this. You don't have proper cause, you function in an evil effect. Experience, experience. Proper image, proper identity. It's such a marvelous, marvelous thing. And so the thing that's most important, and I, I promise you, I'm closing with this one. No did Jesus said when he talked to the church of Ephesus. He was saying to them in Revelations 2, verse 4, he was speaking to the church of Revelations and he speaks to us this morning when it even says, you did all these things right. You submitted and you did all these things right. And my son did them in you. In Philippians 2, 12 and 13, work out your own salvation with a reverence and trembling for it is God which works in you. Listen, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. You couple that, Philippians 2, 12 and 13 with James chapter one and verse 21 to 25 is a beautiful correlation. Sometime in the future maybe we can get into that if God so uh, deigns that. But again, we can see this very, very clearly here that he said, it's not, this I have somewhat against, somewhat doesn't even belong in the original. You left your first love. Remember we said in James 2, in John, 1 John 2, verse 1, my little children, I don't care if you're a spiritual dad, a, ba- a, a spiritual man or woman, or a baby in Christ, we'll always be his little technias. We will never outgrow him. Ever. We can't outgrow his love for us. Don't ever think, and I should never think that I can, that I arrived at an equal place with God. Never. Because God is love, not me. I'm children of the light in 1 Thessalonians 5.5 5 and Ephesians 5.8, yes. But do we lose that sense? You left your first love. You left the fact that you're still little and you always will be. You left the fact of depending upon my love. And when you don't, you lose cause. And now you function in evil effect under the prince and power of the air. And so, again, do we have that sense Have we been seduced in our experience in 1 Timothy 4, 1 and 2 by doctrines that demons teach? Have we been? Has someone bewitched us? In Galatians 3, verse 1, all the way through through 16, we'll get into these at a different time. And thank God, though, thank God He's so for us. Nothing can change that. If you fight against God... You're not going to win that. If it be of God, and we are. Listen, we are of God. You are of God. He has sealed you and me. He has impressed the seal of his love upon us individually. Very individual. So thankful for that. Father, thank you for the word this morning. Thank you so, so very much. In Jesus' name, amen.